It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone. How do I say my name, guys? Figure it out. Fire Sinone. <laughs> Joined by Chris Nee, Zach Blostein. We got a action-packed episode for you today. Going to get into a lot of uh, transaction stuff, commitments, players being retained, transfer portal opens up soon. So that's what Chris, Zach, and I are going to touch on here. For our podcast listeners, the back half of this podcast, our exes and Noel's brother in uh, posted a video on our YouTube feed on Thursday evening previewing the spring game or uh, what, what's it called, Chris? Not a spring game, spring showcase. Spring showcase. You're showcasing. It's not a game. It's a showcase. And that will be added to the back end of this podcast, 45 minutes. So they're going to kind of preview some storylines, things like that. Pretty entertaining. Uh, but for you guys who are like driving to Tallahassee, either Friday evening Saturday morning to be at the showcase, uh, you will have a little bit more listening. Uh, this will be a podcast, again, focuses on the transaction. Before I go any further, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Chattanooga Whiskey, uh, the, the 111 proof, just setting the standard for what a cast strength bourbon should be at an affordable price. Uh, they had a special experiment release with a honey infused whiskey out that sold out. I think they're I think it's gone. So if you wanted it and you like something sweet, sorry, got to act fast when when they drop something cool like that, because it doesn't last long, but their rise exceptional. They have all sorts of great stuff that Chattanooga whiskey is doing. You can purchase them in all sorts of local stores in the state of Florida and the region of, of the Southeast or go to sealbacks.com. And, uh, and that's a good place as well to go ahead and get their product. Today is the last day or tomorrow, I guess, technically the last day that we're doing our joint promo with the battle's end. They've apparently had a ton of success in their donor match program. And part of that is a, one month free with Knowles 24-7 uh, subscription. So I would recommend you guys, if you want to be involved, help out Florida State Athletics, help out Florida State players, be part of that. Uh, we are part of that process as well here at Knowles 24-7. are giving you guys a free month, uh, and we'll give you a comp uh, after that ends on April 15th. And also, shout out to the Turner Group, uh, Byers to Known sponsors. We'll play a little Byers to Known as well. So let's get into it, gentlemen. FSU got a commitment on Thursday evening. From a visitor, uh, a little bit of a surprise commitment, I would say, just based on where the visits were kind of trending in general and uh, seeing the franticness of Chris, uh, Chris and Zach, I combined your guys' names there, when when it happened and we worked together to get the news up, uh, it added a little bit of juice, a little enthusiasm into the day on Thursday evening. And that was Luane McCoy, the four-star athlete from Miami Central Powerhouse in South Florida. He's got a 91 overall grade. By 24-7 Sports, top 200 player. Andrew Ivins did a scouting report on Knowles247.com, and he's very high on Luane McCoy. Uh, Zach, I'll start with you on this. Uh, what were your thoughts when you, you found out he committed, and what's running through your mind uh, when you get that you get the news as he leaves the moor on Thursday evening? 
Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a little bit surprising, honestly. I didn't know that he was going to do that beforehand, admittedly. And he, you know, I guess we had gotten word the day before Dane had confirmed with Luane that he was going to make it to campus on Thursday to watch Florida State's uh, spring practice, the last one before the spring showcase. And I asked, you know, a source early that morning on Thursday, kind of, you know, where does he kind of stay on the board? Is he a take? And I was told he was. Um, so that was, you know, the first time I had heard that throughout his recruitment. And then obviously, you know, eight hours later or whatever, um, he ends up uh, committing to, to FSU, um, just comes out of the Moore Center and basically says it in his first sentence to the media. Um, so that was pretty cool. And like, you know. Did you just walk out and be like, I'm committed? Did you just scream it? Yeah, he screamed it. Um, no, but great interview. Um, that's up on those 24 seven. We talked to him for like four or five minutes afterwards and just kind of broke down the decision. But yeah, he's a, he's a playmaker. What do you like about his game, Brendan? I'm pulling up his film right now, going to go to full screen. Um, he is really fast and really long. Uh, and he, by long, I mean, he has like a six foot five wingspan and a six foot one body, uh, very, very fast, straight line speed. Uh, but you see him do some quick slant stuff, or even when he plays defensive back, which I know Ivan's likes him a lot as a defensive back. Honestly, watching the highlights, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd see an NFL caliber cornerback or safety there with between the the arm length and then just the way he breaks on the football. But look at the play that just showed up there with the slant with him going to dive and get it. He has this like, just absurd catch radius. He has some natural like athletic tools to him. Just a very like instinctive player. You see him pick the ball off there. Probably don't need to throw the ball before you cross, you know, cross the pylon there. Not not the best uh, best thing to do, but um, yeah, probably a fumble. But no, he makes a lot. He's just a very natural athlete, and I think the deep speed shows up on film. I would like testing numbers on that to kind of confirm what the eyes see. But uh, this is my third time watching through here, and I think I see something like different every single time, and like just it gets a little bit better. And uh, slider build has some room to grow and to develop and to fill out, but. Uh, he is a fast wide receiver. Don't let six foot one fool you. That catch radius, as you just saw right there, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, it is impressive. So I like his game a good deal. I think we're about right where we have him. Uh, 24-7 sports with the rankings, we're a little higher on him in the industry. Chris, I'd like to get your thoughts as well on, on McCoy's game uh, and just generally like what stands out to you. Are you team wide receiver or team DB? I like athletes, and they can put them wherever they think they – it best he can play both sides he does stand out defensively a little bit more on film than offensively but i think a lot of the athleticism that you see the catch radius the ability to get off the ground the ability to stretch the field the ability to get down the field quickly i think all of that translates well to wide receiver if i recall correctly he was at fsu's elite camp last summer in early june and that that was a pretty competitive event that had a lot of guys that are going to be part of this football team both in last year's class and this 24 class and he was a guy that stood out among that bunch so you know, when FSU is able to kind of have the uh, testing of the goods to say, I think usually they feel pretty good about what they're getting with guys. And I think that's certainly the case with Lil Wayne. They also worked him out at that FIU camp down in South Florida that Mike Norvell attended along with the rest of FSU staff last uh, June, I believe. And he was apparently a standout, according to Andrew Ivins, at that camp. And as a guy that, that got it, you know, kind of saw his recruitment take off because of his performance there. I think Ole Miss offered that day. And FSU was was quick to offer within the next few weeks. Um, and, you know, telling the story of this recruitment a little bit, uh, basically, you know, Florida State was kind of the first in-state school to really 
um, take a look at him, one of the major in-state schools. And I think that honestly made a huge difference. Um, Miami didn't offer him until this year, a few months ago. And, you know, they got him on campus uh, plenty of times this spring. And it seemed like, you know, according to reports down there that, that they were, you know, creating some momentum in his recruitment. But then he comes up to Florida State on Thursday and, you know, decides to end things and commit to FSU. You know, I don't, I, I'd probably bet money that we see him back on Miami's campus at some point, right? He's at Miami Central. It's not a far drive, and Miami's going to continue to push there. Um, but it's a really good sign that FSU was able to go in Miami's backyard and get a guy that Miami absolutely wanted. Um, I think Gabby Urudia uh, posted on their board. I saw it on our board, um, essentially, that Miami was a little caught off guard and a little surprised by the decision, which is always good. Um, that that happens know. to Miami not frequently, but not infrequently, where – where they're feeling pretty good on stuff and um, it doesn't always break that way. It's been not, not a theme, but it, but it has happened a few times here. I'm not creating any beef, but I think. Uh, you brought yeah. up the message board post. Well, I'm just saying I, I'm bringing up facts. You're bringing up, you know, you're just trying to create beef. Um, but you no, know, I think Louie McCoy is a great get for FSU. You know, I kind of agree with Brendan. I think maybe defensive back is where his, he's, um, got the highest ceiling um, just because of that length and his ability to close on the football. And you see it on a few of these plays if you're watching with us on YouTube. And Yeah, the last like minute has been like pretty eye-opening, illuminating watching this. Like, oh, yeah, the, the defensive clips to me are, are just – Yeah, you can come downhill. He's got a slender frame, but he's a guy that that's not afraid to, um, you know, go find the football. And, yeah, I think, you know, FSU just – they're adding a ton of uniquely talented – prospects in the receiver class, right? They got three guys now committed in Louie McCoy, uh, Camden Fryer, and Mr. Tawaski Abrams, the speedster. And, you know, I, I'd expect them to continue to add receivers in this class. What what just happened on that play? I know this isn't a great podcast. Uh, yeah. If you're watching, what? You can rewatch it. <laughs> Did he <laughs> you not get loose? I think so. So right. I think maybe someone lateraled it, but just, yeah, just there's a lot of athleticism that's pretty, uh, that stands out. Uh, again, the defensive clips are, are fun, but they do like him as a wide receiver. Zach mentioned the uh, different types of skill sets in the wide receiver room right now. This is three commitments. I do think it's noteworthy that Tawaski Abrams has not been on campus this spring. He will not be on at the spring game either. So I don't know what's up with that. I mean, South Florida could just be South Florida in a little bit. Hey. Uh, Fort Myers is not going to South Florida. I know I'm talking to South Florida boy here. Um, But anyway, he's considered commitment. I'm not trying to stir anything up. It just it is we follow trends, right? That is noteworthy. But you have him with his deep speed. Uh, Camden Fryer is very just smooth in how he plays. Uh, Plays bigger than than what he's listed at as well. Goes up and gets the ball very quick, but has some vertical speed. Is well rounded. And now with Lloyd McCoy, I think you see this like high upside take, right? Where you have this catch radius, you have the deep speed, you have a level of like where he just has these like innate, like natural ball skills too, and still room to grow physically and, and kind of polish him as a wide receiver if that's where he ends up for you. But but he's an upside guy. He's a, a true uh, high end ceiling, like has some NFL skills that, that will play. So closes out as we're done with the film here um yeah they have an interesting like body type and, and assortment of body types right now at wide receiver i think that's noteworthy and uh 
we thought maybe about four or five wide receivers in this class. This is about three right now. So yeah, they're still in it with several others as well. Uh, but that that group in that room is coming together nicely. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Happened earlier in the week on Tuesday morning. We got news of it uh, or word of it and, and reported on it. Uh, but also, I guess it happened on Monday where he found out. And that's that big Meech, Dimitri Emanuel, is returning for another season at Florida State. That was the hope. They had applied for a waiver. The first waiver was denied. They had to appeal it. Florida State got word at the beginning of the week that Big Meech was indeed going to be allowed to get a seventh season of eligibility. I believe, what, Chris, it was from a 2018 injury for Big Meech? I think that's what he said. He, he was chatting about it on, I think it was Tuesday after practice and stuff. I believe that's what it came down to yeah. was that was the season that he lost. So it's a it's a medical red shirt, basically, that he's getting uh, re- reactively pro. I don't know, but he's getting it. He comes back to the offensive line room and the, I want to get your thoughts on just like what, what this means for the, the collection of offensive linemen Florida state has depth, experience, all that good stuff. Well, that's a starting guard. I mean, it's that simple. He's a guy that's played a ton of snaps in the college game, a decent amount of snaps at Florida state started at guard, large body, very physically ready to play the game. I think he's 23 or 24 years old at this point. So he's obviously a guy who's matured into his body and, you know, he's much further along than some of those youngins in the room who are 18 or 19 years old. Um, that room is too deep. We've talked about it some throughout the spring, but the addition return of Meech, an additional Wait, t- year of Meech. Sorry, Chris, T-O-O deep or T-W-O deep? Two, like t- 10 total guys that you can trust at any point in time at both positions. It's also T-O-O deep. No such thing. Well, I think they can they can figure that out if they want to, but like there's no such thing. I mean, after covering a program where they routinely had three to five offensive linemen who were worth a you know what, it's very nice to have the problem of potentially having eight to ten that are very good. So to to paraphrase the wire, that sounds like one of those good problems. I mean, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, it it is going to be interesting. I mean, you bring Keandre Jones in; he's a guy that can play guard. You bring Casey Roddick in, a guy who can play center or guard. Uh, and then you also have obviously Meech coming back. You have Jeremiah Byers, who I think will be a tackle, but could also play guard. You have a whole lot of options that could play on the interior, and a lot of them are upperclassmen, older guys, as well as some of those younger guys like Bryson Estes, for example, uh, Zane Herring, who's played the spot previously, some others in that room. So, yeah, is it too deep, T-O-O deep? Yeah, it probably is, and that will sort itself out, but, like, I'm not worried about it at the top. I think they're going to retain a decent amount of guys that are too deep, TWO deep guys that can help you in the football season. And Meech is a big piece of that, adding it back in. The nicest thing is he's a well-liked guy who's a leader. He's comfortable in that room. And, you know, you can never have enough of that. I think that's the headline. Big Meech. I think that's the headline of the podcast. TWO deep or TOO deep? It's funny. I, I can, like, know what we're talking about and then know that, like, Brendan's going to use that as the, the headline for the pod. Why do you think that? I just know how your mind works. Brilliantly? It's a brilliant mind. It is a mind. Um, went through, counted up total snaps between the, the transfers that Chris mentioned earlier, Maurice Smith, Robert Scott, Darius Washington, and Bless Harris, uh, who's been excellent this this back half of the spring. He's pushing, pushing strong for King of the Spring, fellas. He's making a very late bid. Um, 
1,500, maybe there's a little bit short of that career snaps. I think it's like 14, 14, or sorry, 1,500, 15,000 career snaps. I misspoke. It's like 14,900 and something career snaps between those eight players. Uh, and a lot of those are good snaps too. Not all of them are good, like some of the earlier stuff for for FSU linemen when they were young in those homegrown products, but uh, more recently been serviceable. And so you have, have eight players that have a ton of experience, some good experience, and that's just it. It is a far cry from where it was six years ago, certainly even three years ago when the staff first got here. FSU has depth. You want to make sure you always have an abundance of depth, both on the offensive line and defensive line. Very much so a blueprint that the Philadelphia Eagles have used successfully recently, where you almost over-invest in it, where, where you basically are taking out like a life insurance policy that's probably worth too much. Like if I die, uh, I'm probably worth too much dead, where maybe some people want me dead. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, FSU's offensive line in a really good spot here exiting spring with the news of Dimitri, Dimitri Emmanuel Big Meech coming back. Uh, let's go back to some recruiting items real quick, Zach. Uh, there was a little bit, a lot of bit of drama somewhere in between that earlier this week with Luke Cromenhawk. We talked about him visiting Penn State last weekend. We discussed it earlier on the podcast. Uh, the beginning of the week, since that conversation occurred, we said, oh, there's nothing to really worry about. Uh, Steve Wolfong caught up with Luke Cromenhawk about the Penn State visit and Paraphrasing here, but but basically Luke says, yeah, that was kind of what I, I didn't want to happen, where uh, it's given me a lot to think about. Not exactly what you want to hear if you're a Florida State fan. What's going on with Luke Cromanhawk? How are you feeling, Zach, about it today now that you you have a little bit more of that information on your plate? Yeah, well, I do think Penn State really is giving him something to think about. Um, I'll kind of delve into some of what he said to, to Steve Wolfong that you, you know, in the article you mentioned. Um, you know, he talked about he was there over the, this past weekend um, and he said the visit was great and has given me a lot to think about. He was also at Penn State for their whiteout game last fall. I think I, I think I mentioned this before, but you know, the main connection is, I think, is through his mother's side of the family. I think they're uh, big Penn State fans. And I think, you know, prior to the, the um, Penn State visit, they really wanted to make sure that they're making the right decision on Florida State. You know, communicated it with FSU staff completely. Um, it was, wasn't a thing that, that where they went behind uh, the this FSU's uh, back or anything like that to go on this visit. Completely communicated it. FSU okayed it. Um, they went up there, and I think you know James Franklin and that staff did a really good job with him. Luke Romanhawk will make it back to Florida State's campus this weekend, and obviously FSU's goal has to be to kind of shut. Um, the door on Penn State. Um, that's got to be the, the goal of, of getting Kerman Hawk and his family back in Tallahassee this weekend. And and I think, you know, Florida State, you know, Kerman Hawk's been committed forever. Um, he's a guy that that FSU really took a chance on early before he had even taken a, a single starting snap of varsity football um, at quarterback. Right? He was playing different positions under um, Holden Gariner. Um, he was behind Holden Gariner, the, the Auburn quarterback now, who was at the same high school as him a few years ago. And, you know, FSU had him throw at a camp and took a chance on him. And I think that's probably going to pay off, but, you know, I guess you never know, right? Florida State's um, got a battle here. Uh, Penn State's, you know, not, they've got a really good recruiting staff. Um, James Franklin is a coach that that's a really impressive dude and, and a guy that, that, recruits really well. Um, and, and that staff does as well. And he has a great relationship with multiple of those guys. So, 
getting Luke back on campus this weekend is going to be huge for Florida State, I think. And they got to work on trying to shut the door on Penn State. Shut the door. Sorry. That, Hold that the part door. just stuck out to me. Hold the door. Um, so just to add to that, Zach did a great job. Penn State's also heavily in it with a kid named Van Byrne who's from what, Virginia, Maryland, yeah, Michael, somewhere up in that Michael area. Van Byrne, yeah. Sounds yeah. like a player who's going to commit to Penn State. A Van Byrne yeah. playing quarterback Penn State? Yeah, and I think they feel pretty good about it. Now, does that mean they would say no to Luke? I don't think so. But I feel like Luke is more to Hill Mary for them. You know, take a shot because he is a trending, ascending guy. Van Byrne and himself is a good quarterback, but Luke is probably a higher upside, higher ceiling kid. And you do have a family attachment there with mom. So, like, go ahead and make that play. But I think Zach summed it up really well. Let's talk about we're currently confirming names. Chris's head is down a lot during this podcast. It's because he's working uh, to confirm different names who we believe will be on campus. It's a building, evolving list here on Friday morning. Uh, Let's go through real quick the five guys that maybe – I'll let you guys kind of ping pong back and forth until we get to five. The five most noteworthy names are the ones you're most interested in. Uh, Luke Cromanhawk, maybe don't add him to that. Just We just talked about him, but obviously him coming to campus and uh, the possibility of shutting the door, holding the door on Penn State would be big. Uh, but, Zach, I'll start with you. Uh, bidding starts with you. Who's the most important or intriguing player coming to campus uh, this weekend? Um, honestly, I'm going to start with another commitment, and that's a guy that also was on another school's campus last weekend, and that's – five-star or four-star running back, depending on what ranking you look at. We always use the highest. Cam Cam Davis. Um, And he's a guy that's been committed to FSU for forever, it seems like, um, since February of 2021. And he was, you know, he's been visiting camp or schools, you know, other schools throughout his recruitment um, over the last two years or so. But most recently he was on campus at UF. This was pretty noteworthy because, you know, after Cam Davis's legacy weekend visit to Florida State, he said he was really close to shutting things down. I do believe that's still the case. Um, I think Cam Davis is heavily weighing that um, as, as an option for him moving forward as, you know, he feels really comfortable about his commitment to Florida State, but he did take that visit to Gainesville. I was told it was only for a few hours, um, essentially three, and it was basically uh, him and his mom were vacationing and his family were vacationing in Orlando um, on spring break and on their way back up to South Georgia, they stopped in Gainesville. um, And and that's kind of what, you know, why he ended up taking that visit, stayed for a few hours on campus. You know, I, if he's going to flip anywhere, I don't think it's going to be UF. I think it'd probably be, you know, Georgia or something like that. Um, But for right now, I still feel very comfortable about FSU's standing with, with Cam Davis. And I think it's going to be big to get him around you know, Chrome and Hawk and the rest of the the commits and stuff that'll be on campus this weekend. And, you know, obviously FSU staff will, will try and put the finishing touches on that recruitment and try and get them to shut things down. Um, but yeah, I want to start with him because he's obviously, um, I think FSU's number one or number two highest ranked recruit in their Tribe 24 class. So I'll start debating with Dylan Stevenson, uh, Miami Columbus edge. Very important for FSU to hit on an edge from the high school ranks this year. He's one of the better ones in the state. Him and LJ McCray are probably the two that FSU is most involved with within the state that are very important to him. Very different body types than those two young men. McCray told me as of this morning he's not planning to come, but Stevenson is expected in, has previously told us he is coming in. Uh, He's been here a lot. He's a smart kid. He's a sharp kid. He's a hard worker, high ceiling kid, good body type, real good athleticism. Yeah, he's kind of dude I think FSU has to hit on. 
All right, Zach, uh, back to you. Yeah, I'm going to go. Can I bring up two because they're in the same position group? Um, Look at Zach cheating. Out here sure. cheating. Cheating in the streets. They're both very important. I'll start with offensive linemen. Um, Modesto Christian, four-star offensive lineman. Manasi. I'm going to butcher this name. You asked for this. Yeah. Manasse <laughs> Ititi. Um, he's originally yeah. from the Congo. He now lives in California, and he's a national offensive line recruit, and Florida State really likes him. Uh, I did a full story with him actually this week, kind of previewing his his visit to Florida State's campus this weekend, and you know he had great things to say. He had never he's never been on campus at FSU before, but he has really great relationships with Derek Ray, the general manager at Florida State, who has connections to that area in California, and then Alex Atkins, obviously FSU's offensive line coach has a really good relationship with with ETT and his family. And, you know, I think going into this visit, FSU is already close to the top of his recruitment. Um, and talking to some people around uh, ETT's recruitment, it sounds like FSU has a really good shot um, to, to be in this for the long run. Um, and I think you know, that's pretty noteworthy for a guy that's, you know, obviously – from the living at the in the West Coast right now, um, but he's seriously considering schools down here. The other the other school that's you know up there for him is Miami. Um, he wants to get to Auburn soon as well. So you can go check out the full update where he talks about kind of his relationship with the, the coaching staff and you know where where things stand in his recruitment right now. And obviously we'll catch up with him after this weekend. The other offensive lineman who has been trending with Florida State for, for it seems like you know months or even a year now is is. Clearwater Academy International four-star Jason Zandamella. He's an, he's an interior guy, 6'3", 285, a guy that's really bumped up the rankings on 24-7 sports. He's now He now sits within the top 100. He's number 80 overall and the number two interior offensive lineman in the country. Both of his 24-7 sports crystal balls read Garnet and Gold via Steve Wolfong and Mr. Crystal Ball Knee himself. Um but yeah, FSU gets him back on campus after getting him uh, in for Legacy Weekend in March. He's a guy that that FSU is probably going to land at some point. You know, whether that's sooner or later, I don't know. I think he probably wants to wait until July because that's you know the the, the decision timeline he's laid out be, uh, before. He wants to take some officials in June. It, Zach, real, real quick, sorry, didn't he get Georgia offer recently? Yes, he got a Georgia offer recently. He's a guy that's that's definitely um, his recruitment's taken. You know, stock up. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of skyrocketed this year. Um, he's got USC, Stanford, Georgia, UF. Like a lot of these schools have come in recently, and and Florida State's kind of been in this for a while. Um, they really started recruiting him via uh, another recruitment, um, and that was obviously Lucas Simmons, his former teammate and current true freshman offensive lineman. They both played together at Clearwater Academy International. FSU was second to offer. Um, Jason Zanamella after Temple. Um, and, and you know, FSU's just kind of been that consistent school throughout. And I think that'll probably pay off. All right. Since Zach cheated, I'm going to cheat. Instead of oh taking two, God, I'm going to take four. I'm going to take <laughs> all the athletes. All right. I'll make it quick. So there's four athletes in the 2024 class that are expected in. B.J. Gibson, who FSU views as a wide receiver, South Georgia kid. I think this is visit number six for him, former Tennessee baseball commitment. You know, good old follow to visits. If he's taken six, there's a reason for it. He likes FSU a great deal. Talented kid could play both sports. Uh, on the, Staying on the offensive side of the athlete category, Amir Jackson from Portal, Georgia. I mean, FSU is the kings of the portal. So, like, 
you know, keep it going. Amir Jackson's a tight end type, very athletic kid. Um, if you watch Chris Thompson's interview yesterday, he talks about, you know, tight ends that you can flex out versus guys you can put in line. And the best thing in the world is guys who can do all of it. I think Amir Jackson at this point in his career is more of a flex out guy, but very talented athlete, very good player, a kid that's trended up tremendously in 2023 as far as getting offers and getting more interest. And that will probably continue as the spring eval period comes about. Quickly flip into the defensive side of ball. Two athletes, both defensive back types. Shalil Cummings from Stark Bradford. First kid that Mike Norvell went to see when he hopped on the helicopter back there in January. Very talented athlete. Been here multiple times. I think this will be visit number three already of this year and maybe four or five total in his recruitment. And then Ricky Knight, personal favorite. Uh, you know, we, we love throwing around South Florida dog. Uh, that kid's one, like without a shadow of a doubt. I absolutely, I love his mentality. Every single time he talks about football in any kind of capacity, he mentions competitiveness, competition, competing. I just I love his makeup, and I think he's a hell of a player on film. Both of them coming in, you know, those are four guys that, as you're looking to build a class with versatility, athleticism, different body types, different abilities, and the right kind of DNA, I think all of those guys kind of are equipped with some of it. So, yeah, I just wanted to grab four before Zach went and took two more this time. So I was basically snake drafting it. It's not no, a draft, no, guys. It's supposed to be a top five. No. No, we have to get out of here. Wait, there's one more I want to know. Yeah, that's supposed to be the fifth one. You're we're supposed to end it with five. That's where the we're supposed to be. 2025 class, there's a linebacker, a five-star that's committed to Georgia, who will be back on campus this weekend, and that's Jaden Perlot. Um, he was at Legacy Weekend and basically told me afterwards that if any school has a chance to flip him from UGA – it's FSU. Um, it's a guy that you know, has been recruited by FSU staff since he was in the eighth grade, he said. Um, they've really been that consistent uh, program with him throughout. And I really think he has a great relationship with Adam Fuller, Mike Norvell, Randy Shannon, a number of FSU's coaches. Yes, I said Randy Shannon. Stop hating. Um, but yeah, FSU's doing a great job with him. Obviously, he's at 2025, so he's got a while. Um, but I think if any school, like he said, has a shot to flip him, it's, it's Florida State. Very nice, concise list, guys. That was excellent. Let's play some Byerson Own, sponsored by the Turner, Turner Group. Group. And then we'll get out of here and let the uh, let the X's and O's guys take us home. All right. Byerson Own, sponsored by the Turner Group. If you want to buy or sell your home, or even if you're considering it, right? Because I know it's a, a lot to, to weigh and to think about and to take that leap into getting into the market. If you're in the state of Florida, cannot recommend enough the Turner Group. Colin Turner, Amy Turner, husband and wife team, FSU alum. They are, uh, they are relentless workers. I know that just been talking to Colin and seeing how busy he is and, and how constantly he is is trying to help close deals and make things happen. Uh, they are very, very detail-oriented. And most importantly, like the good people who are FSU alum and, and you have a chance to help out uh, fellow FSU fans. If you are about to enter the market for buying or selling a home and you don't know where to start, uh, I would really recommend that you reach out to Colin Turner at the Turner Group. You can reach him at 407-403-8546. Email him at get started at the Turner Group. Again, state of Florida, they can help you throughout the entire state. He's based more in the central Florida area. We'll do more hands-on work there. there. Uh, but if you're looking to even get started moving into the state, moving uh, somewhere within the state, Give him a call. He can help you figure out like who the right person to talk to in your specific area is. All right, let's get into it. By Orson Ohm, 
two plus commitments this weekend. Now, Chris, two plus means two or more. Just well, clarify. if we're counting Lewayne McCoy, then I'll go yes. If we're not, then I'll go push. Okay. Thursday is I, I guess Sinone. no, uh, Sinone, because it would only be two, not two. Thursday plus. is not the weekend, Chris. Some people it is. It was in college. Oh my God! Going going home yesterday was a total shit show because of how many college kids were like around campus, about to go out and start partying. So we were trying to get off of campus yesterday. So yeah, feel that they were going to head into purgatory. I think. Poor you. Um, no, it was but, an inconvenience to me. I'm gonna. I wish you had asked this yesterday, but that yeah, wouldn't count because Thursday is not the weekend. Yesterday, but I'll go. I'll buy. Okay. They have to hit two, right? Two no, or two more. plus. Oh my god. No, Chris. <laughs> two plus. How this many times feeling... do you have to explain this to him? <laughs> this is feeling like the original format of the podcast where I was just, just, getting just set Chris. the number at two if we're doing more, less, or push. Buy or snow or push. Sponsored by the term group. I'm buying two. Or I think more. when we wake up Monday, FSU will have three new commitments since the beginning of Thursday. There, I said it. That's as concise as I can be. Sorry, Colin. Uh, Byers Sinone, Rodney Hill cements his status as the king of the spring this weekend at the showcase. I mean, since I'm also doing known, this. Also known it because I think that there's a potential of a defensive player getting a high amount of sacks, in quotations, in the showcase. So I'm leaning towards Patrick Payton here. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, he's not a candidate for it because he's not coming like as a low radar guy. He was the rookie of the year in the conference last season, Chris, and that was noted. You and time. your rules, I am. Shows you me. and your rules. Um, Chris is no, wearing a tie dye shirt. I'm buying that. Enough time for this this nuance. Ronnie, Ronnie's got a chip on his shoulder. Oh, so you're buying it? Yeah. He knows where he's at in the rankings. He doesn't want to slip. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know he's gonna prove why he's gonna make the all ASS team or whatever. Also known, also known squad. Yeah, yeah, it's an important one too. Guy, we offer so much great content for you guys at Knowles 24-7. Really should subscribe. <laughs> uh, Byer Sinone. Oh, hey, here's something. The transfer portal starts on Saturday. The, the spring window, which is only 15 days compared to what the, the December winter window was 45 days of madness. Uh, it is only 15 days for guys to basically get out of get out of their current team, enter the transfer portal, hit the market. Uh, feedback I've gotten has been kind of varied on whether we're expecting for it to be a robust transfer market. Uh, some interesting dynamics there. I think NIL playing just a huge role nationally will probably determine whether guys uh, stay put or if they're able to look at opportunities elsewhere. Uh, not Renegotiation just season. Yeah, Not just Florida State, but just more from a national standpoint. Uh, with that little nuance there going a little further into it sec has an interesting restriction that i think will create a, a dynamic here in the transfer portal that i wasn't really even considering until a day or two ago sec players basically cannot transfer to other sec schools during this window that that's already passed the, the opportunity to so if you're an sec school and you're looking to add depth find a starter out of position group that just hasn't looked good this spring you're going to be very aggressive back channeling ACC schools, uh, Big 12 schools, uh, programs that just generally will not have more money than you uh, because you can't go and, and pillage other SEC players. 
Now, same time, if you're an SEC player wanting to transfer, you can get an SEC caliber player out of the portal if you're in these other conferences, right? Uh, but I think that'll add a dynamic that that'll create uh, some really extreme like negotiations and pricing for some players at, at these other conferences to to potentially leave uh, their schools or, or be retained by it. But it'll be interesting. So, anyways, with that in mind, Florida State is about 89 to 90 scholarship players that we have projected for the start of the 2023 season. Not all of them are on the roster now, but most of them are. I think they have 80 scholarship guys. We get to 89, 90 is a rough estimate, including Destin Hill. If we do that, it's about 90. Um, so you have to get you have to lose at least five to get to 85 man limit. Let's put that as the number. So I will throw this to you guys. Byer Sinone, FSU loses at least seven players to the transfer portal. I was going to say seven plus, Chris, but I changed it for you. Seven players at least. I appreciate that. For the transfer portal, by or Sinone. I'm going to buy that. I think it's, I feel like it's got to happen, right? Like they got to not only get under the 85, but if they want to add some, some pieces to their roster at, at some positions of need, maybe safety, maybe edge, um, maybe a few other positions, like they got to get a few under um, to be able to create room for that. So I, I'm going to buy that. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like seven's a great number. Can I take the or? Push. <laughs> I do. I really feel like seven is a magic number. That would basically get them two under. I don't think they're going to be in the game for much more than two, personally. You know, maybe a safety, maybe an edge, or best available type. Um, so, yeah. I, I feel do- like it's right around seven. Yeah, I'll go with – I'll buy the over on it. I think probably – would be. I think it would be closer to eight than it would be to six. I think six is kind of pretty close. Um I can. I know people want us to name names. I don't feel super comfortable doing that. It's just it's a low, it's a low thought, proposition for us. You wrote player. a piece this morning about attrition. I thought it was very well handled. Kind of talked about positions where obviously the depth is just abundant and clear, or guys have kind of fallen through the cracks, for lack of a better term. And we, we know, it, it's commonsensical while not saying get the heck out of my program. Yep. That's what we're, I mean, we're, we follow trends. I've said that before in this episode, like we just look at where, where the numbers are and try to make sense of it. And uh, Josh Newberg is rolling in his, well, he's not, not as great because he, he is alive and well, but uh, us, uh, me counting the numbers here, uh, the numbers will work out. I'm not worried about them getting under the 85 man limit. It's going to be a matter of like how much flexibility you have to add pieces before we get out of here, guys, I'm going to write later today or first thing in the morning on Saturday, a, a kind of a primer on on what position group primer 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 <laughs> man can't say his name he doesn't no. like me because I won't buy or snown but like he can't talk so it all bounces out in the end um what position groups I'm gonna I'm gonna try to just put down five uh, this is my like third coffee of the day and this is like espresso shot in here so that's what's happening it's it's kicking it in full gear if we get into five players or five position groups where FSU could potentially add in the transfer portal where we think they'll look if it's a, a good market. What are the position groups? I think safety you both mentioned, that's probably a good starting point. Is it, is that, is that where we want to start is saying that's probably the most assured position group? Yeah. yeah I feel like they have three real good ones and you know, you might want one more. Nobody loved pack in the sense of like thinking he was all world, but he was super reliable. He took the snaps when you had to have him take the snaps. I think they need a guy who kind of can fill that role with nothing else. Yeah, I don't. 
I doubt they would take someone. Like, they got to get someone a little bit more. Like, Well, I think they would want somebody better. I'm yeah. just saying they, they need between the concern of injury and inexperience. Like, I love Conrad Hussey. I've been very much on record about that. I think Edwin Joseph is another guy who can help him at safety. But they're not here till you know, end of May. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know how comfortable you are with plugging them right in. I feel like there might need to be a bridge guy in between the current group you have and the guys coming in. Dude, this guys... SEC – I just want to talk about this SEC rule. Does this not benefit FSU like a crazy amount? Think about all the recruitments they, they had to um, battle uh, in the portal in December and how many SEC schools were involved, right? Gilbert, Gilbert Edmund, Jaheim Bell, Central um, I'm trying to think of others. Kyle Morlaw. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of the big time ones, I think everyone other than uh, Daryl Jackson, who was a Braden Fisk. Braden was, Fisk was like name? USC, Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, most, yeah. most, uh, it, it helps them. Unless. It helps them unless SEC schools start coming for their players and willing to, which throw. is bound to happen. I mean, again, the SEC can't pull from the SEC. So yeah. they are going to look at the most SEC-ish programs out there. That is Florida State and Clemson, lesser extent, Miami. It's going to be uh, UCF. It's going to be some of the you know Houston, SMU type of schools. Like that's where that radius is probably going to extend to. I doubt that they go into the Big Ten just because Big Ten probably has the, the resources, generally speaking, program to program. Uh, but FSU is in good shape if, if that's what ends up happening. But no, I, I will push back on a little bit of a notion, Zach, that I think it's a sure good thing for Florida State. It's going to be so case by case. Yeah, I meant more so for like targeting players. But yeah, it could be a potential um, issue if the SEC schools come, you know, trying to, uh, I don't want to say tamper, but um, back channel your players, um, which is possible and definitely probable to happen i think because of how desperate a lot of these sec schools schools are going to be to add players at certain positions and obviously they can't do it in the top conference so they're going to move to like you said other other programs that are um on that caliber all right let's go to just a couple more positions where we think they could i would say defensive end uh if if you're able to get a situational like pass rusher and you have the scholarship room to do it i think that's a a position group that if you have luxury and, and flexibility too, you always invest in uh, that and cornerback, even though they feel pretty good at cornerback. I think those are the two positions on defense that you, you feel like you could always invest extra in another scholarship in. So I'll, I'll throw those two out there. So that's three positions. Uh, what else are we looking at potentially if we're going to try to get to five? I think I the know. only other one on off, I think the only one on offense for me would be receiver. Because yeah, punt returner and kick returner maybe, um, but more so punt returner because of Micah Pittman. Um, but I think, yeah, specialists would, would be good in that aspect. And maybe a guy that can contribute as a as a receiver as well, um, because obviously, you know, maybe you get a slot type or something like that with Micah Pittman's injury. We don't know the timetable for his return. Um, you know, he said possibly uh, he'll get back this season, but he's not sure. So I guess – that would be the one on offense slash special teams that makes the most sense um, with Micah Pittman's absence. Okay. Uh, I think that's, I, I would agree with that. I don't think you had a running back. 
I don't think no offensive line. No, I mean, unless there's like a best available title. Unless Amarius Mims enters the transfer portal again. Happy anniversary, guys. That was fun. Oh, was it fun? You forgot our anniversary. It was yesterday. Strawberry inside joke. Uh, no quarterback. Even if you lose, I don't think they'll lose a quarterback this spring. But if you do, you, you go into the season with three. Um, maybe linebacker over getting a five. Like if you find a guy who would not just a depth piece, but someone who would legitimately push as a starter and you're willing to kind of rock the boat there. I think Kaylin Deloach has had a really good spring, and especially the last like week or two. Uh, he's He's been on point. He was great yesterday in Tuesday's practice. But, yeah, if you want to say, hey, we we have a potential like NFL weird – not weird, a unique skill set, something like this guy's like 230 pounds, can fly around if that presents itself to you. Maybe. Byron Vaughns? Byron Vaughns is an edge rusher. Uh, Byron Vaughns, no matter what. Flexi, flexible, bendy as hell, edge rusher from Utah State. Um, I mean, that would be a guy who I would I would be thrilled with for Florida State to add because he'd be a great situational pass rusher. General manager Brennan Sinone would draft them. I feel like if Vaughn's having Sinone would run around like, uh, you know, like he just won a national title and was looking for somebody to hug on the court kind of guy. Which is yeah. how I kind of felt yesterday when McCoy committed. You oh, were really? that excited? Not excited. I was more trying to make sure we were like getting the ball rolling on doing what we needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris and Zach were going to talk to to him, uh, to McCoy. I almost said Byron Vaughn. So I'm trying to will it into existence. And Dane and I were, were working on a practice report. And all of a sudden, Chris came scurrying over. It's like, he, he committed. He committed, committed. Can you get it up? And I didn't even know who you guys were trying to talk to. So I didn't say, uh, Dane, can you get it up? I told you get it up. Like I was, I was demanding. Very managerial, like he knows what he wants. All right, I want to get out of here. I'm done with this episode. This has not been fun. Um, thank you for those watching on YouTube, assuming that I remember to actually post it this time. Uh, and, and for those listening to the podcast, taking a quick break. I don't even think it's a commercial break. It's just going to be like the audio is going to transition over, and you'll hear the the sultry, smooth tones of Trey Roland, Coach AB, and Kev Little as they preview the spring showcase bye bye so no No. bye Ah. everyone welcome the time is upon us we are on spring game eve eve florida state seminoles will play the florida state seminoles in the culmination (laughs) we need this spring football the biggest it's the one to rule them all on saturday 4 (laughs) p.m FSU is going to play FSU. And I think what we wanted to do in lieu of a, I guess, like a true preview, I think the guys, the guys at Knowles 247, they've been out at practice every single day. Kevin's been to a number of practices. Adam and I have not. So they're probably going to give you what to expect from like who's been doing what type of perspective. I'll give you a different perspective. As you're watching the game, it's basically a guide of how to watch a spring game what matters what doesn't what personally we're going to be looking for so hopefully we can hamper down some of those overreactions and tap into the things that are really going to be relevant for the 2023 football season we did this last year i thought it went over well and i thought some of our observations teaser were pretty good guys how are you doing are you excited our little how to watch the 2023 fsu spring game it's upon us Go ahead. Be first. Go, Kev. 
All right, oh. I'm excited. I yeah, this is the only football we get. <laughs> we talk so much recruiting in the off season. My my jam is watching football, and I'm excited to watch some football. I'm excited to watch the Garnet and Gold play the Garnet, and probably you know the Golden White probably. But it's it's always a good time to see more football. Colors aside, and we are gonna be we're gonna have it covered like a regular game. We've got our preview. I think we're gonna do an instant reaction. We're gonna break down the film. You're gonna get you're gonna get it. We're gonna squeeze every little last drop out of this football lemon that we can. What about you, big man? How do you feel about spring games? You're a coach. Hate them, like them. I, <laughs> I figured he'd say that. <laughs> no, they're they're okay. I mean, they're cool. Look, it's a culmination to uh three tough weeks. Um I don't think anybody looks forward to spring except for coaches and even they uh, uh, depends on who you ask about how much they look forward to them. It's a lot of, it's an opportunity to get a lot of good work in. So it's a great chance to get some of your depth, uh, a lot of reps in front of a crowd guys who maybe haven't uh, stepped foot out on that field. Um, uh, Jeremiah Byers, for for example, coming up from mm-hmm. UTEP, it's a chance to get out there and get him some bullets, get Bless Harris back, uh, back in, in some kind of game flow to see where he's at uh, as his, uh, as he continues to work himself back from an injury last year. Uh, so it, it's, it's a great opportunity to get guys work uh, in a controlled environment. Um, for those of you that have watched Florida tonight uh, in their spring game, they look like absolute dog meat. Don't run to Twitter right away and say, Oh, they look because I guarantee you, there's going to be times in, in the spring game on Saturday that Florida State looks like dog meat too. It's just kind of what spring games are. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait to see the Charlie Ward versus Carlos Williams uh, chalk. Uh, uh, who gets the chalk last and gets that coaching matchup? Um, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you trying to get yourself fired up on it. it it's a yeoman's effort, but I think you're failing. Um, <laughs> I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. And for you guys who didn't watch last year, there was there was some elements of traditional scrimmage. There was also like a lot of situational drills, goal line drills, things like that. So it's not just going to be four quarters of a straight game, FSU versus FSU. But anyway, before we kind of break down on Solid what you right guys – yeah, what you guys need to watch. And, of course, for all this coverage, subscribe to the Knowles 24-7 YouTube channel that you're watching this on right now. Turn the notifications on. The X's and Knowles YouTube channel as well. We have our in-depth film breakdown. Subscribe to that. If you're not a part of Knowles 24-7, do it now, guys. It's recruiting season, and they're the best. We're the best. Everyone's the best. Get on the board. Anyway, Kevin, what has been your thoughts so far? You've been down there. What's your thoughts so far on how the spring has gone before we break down how and what to watch in the game? The spring looks solid. I mean, every year so far, every year you've come in and you've seen just physical changes, first of all. So that's like, I mean, that's the first thing that stands out. Mm -hmm. The players look different. You know, the 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 body composition has seriously changed for a lot of these players. And you'll see that on Saturday. You know, um, you know, the the big movers are, you know, Stephen Dix can continue to to lose weight. AJ Duffy looks like a different different kid physically. Shaheen Brown kind of toned up a little bit, looks solid. Um just and like those are just a few that off the top of my head, but the whole whole roster looks more like what their ideal is to look like. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So that that's going to stand out immediately when you see these kids. Um, 
but I, I think really just the, the level of competition has gone up. I think, I mean, last year you could see the ones across the board were really competitive and really good, but this year it's the ones and the twos that both look like they could be starting power five, you know, very solid teams. And it's just right. not only is is the, the top end improving, but you see more and more depth. And I think that's going to be very apparent on Saturday. Yeah, it'll be a fun watch because like you said, having better depth is probably going to lead to a more competitive spring game. So we'll be see a lot of these guys that fans have only read about in practice reports, like guys like Byron Turner, um, KJ Kirkland, seeing some of those guys in action in Doke. It'll be fun. Adam, what about you? Any like particular reports that really stuck out to you, either positive or negative? What's your thoughts so far? Successful spring for a team that's got championship aspirations? Yeah, I think so. Look, you've, I'm going to, Got a wooden tray table right here in front of me that I'm knocking on right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you shook your camera. <laughs> I did. I did. And it, it, everybody's going to thank me on Saturday if nobody gets hurt because that ultimately is what your what your yeah. greatest takeaway for springs are. Did you get through spring without anybody getting a serious injury, uh, namely your quarterback, your, your potential All-American quarterback, uh, Jordan Travis? I mean, that's, that's a guy you wanted to keep healthy. They've been able to do so. It sounds like he's had a really good spring. Um and then after, you know, once I go move on from that, it, it's the trenches. I mean, I've talked to enough people around the program that are just, I don't want to say giddy, but they're pretty excited about the competition they've been able to foster in the trenches between the offensive line and defensive line and in those rooms themselves. Um, so I'm excited to, to, to observe that play itself out for however long it does on, on Saturday, um, you know, We'll see what the starting groups are going to look like. I don't know if they're going to mix the teams up or not. Brendan and Brendan and Chris and Zach will and Dane will have all that information. But uh, I'm curious to see what the lines look like. They do do they do like a ones versus two? Do they mix mm-hmm. the teams up and do kind of an intra squad type of deal? Um, either way, I, I'm pretty excited to see Casey Roddick against Daryl Jackson, uh, Bless Harris against against Jared Verse, Pat Payton against Julian Armello. Like those are battles that we can look forward to now. And, it, and that's exciting for me. Yeah. I like that too. And there's been a lot of reports so far of Alex Atkins kind of challenging the offensive line, throwing a lot of different combinations out, out at them to kind of test how they are against adversity. Well, I'm going to be interested to see if there's a lot of that in the spring game or will that first group that goes out, will that kind of be looking like the first group that might take the field against LSU? It'll be interesting just to see how the coaches manage how mm-hmm. they run that spring game. Kevin, before we start getting into how you evaluate the spring game, what it, a storyline that has stuck out in your head. We talked a lot during our pre-spring roundtable about storylines that you were looking for. What was your storyline of the spring? Um, I think the storyline with this team is always kind of be, what are you going to get out of these transfers, right? As, mm-hmm. as long as that's been, Mike Norvell's been here, that's, been the question right so to me i'm going to be specifically watching some players you know i think you watch daryl jackson how does he look against other you know power five how does he look on florida state's roster how does um how does gilbert edmund look next to jared verse and how do you know how, how do these guys integrate themselves and to me i think um the big story that kind of popped up has just been KJ Kirkland and Quindarius Jones. I think they've kind of ah, your guys. I knew you get get that reference in in there. there. I hate the Kirkland one for you. I knew you'd get your other guy in. Go ahead. The thing, the thing is it's, it's, 
I say Kirkland and Jones. It's Jones. Jones looks really good. Oh, he's your guy. And okay. I, he was my guy coming in, but he's kind of out out outpaced that. So I'm going to be watching for him. Um, I hope that he kind of like lives up to kind of how I've been, you know, amping him up. But I, you know, <laughs> we're going to look at the secondary. There's a there's a big questions that like nickel Knowles is out this is out this spring. So who steps up? Greedy Vance has looked really good, but they've shuffled a lot of people into that position. So kind of getting to see like really break down, have film that we can watch and rewatch of who kind of steps up in those positions. If any of these newcomers are really, you know, ready con- to contribute day one, those are, those are kind of my big ideas. Yeah. And I like that too, because last year it was the, how the newcomers integrated. How do all those new receivers integrate this year? It's going to be, how do all those new interior offensive linemen integrate, especially yep. with, Demetri Emanuel coming back. That's another guy back from last year's roster. Like, who is going to take the spots? Who's not? And then the tight end room completely flipped. I really want to see Jaheim Bell out there and Kyle Morlock and just see Florida State's offense was so productive last year when they got so little statistically from the tight end position. Flashes better near the end. Man, with a cons- that being a consistent unit that you could count on, specifically on like third downs, it unlocks the middle of the field. Uh, Adam, what about you? Storyline that stood out to you? Yeah, I don't know if we're going to get any storyline answers in the spring game. <laughs> That's so, a fair well, answer. Here's yeah. this, this this useless spring game that you now, so much. So much <laughs> of our focus has been on schematic stuff. How are they going to? How are they going to handle the nickel position? Good call. Yeah, is the defense going to be more diverse? They're not going to show that really in the spring game. It's going to nope. be very vanilla schematically. They're not going to be out there running a three-man front, a five-man front, and rolling these defensive line packages in and out. That's just not what you do in the spring. You keep it very vanilla. So we're going to see a lot of cover four, cover two, that kind of stuff. Some some man. It's just what we're going to see from the secondary. So I don't I don't know if we're going to get the answers that we are hoping to get. Um, but as far as players, yeah. You know, Daryl Jackson had a had a hell of a start to practice and then kind of tapered off a little bit. I know Brandon was critical or had heard some critical talk of his play in some of the scrimmages. H- how's he handle um, the spring game? Does he come out and kick ass or or does he, you know, not respond? Um, that's a guy we've heaped a lot of praise on, obviously. We compared the kid to Chris Jones in college, so we're very high on his game. Um, does he go out and? Make us look smart on Saturday. We're, we're going to find out. I don't, you know, like you mentioned, <laughs> Jaheim Bell. The help I could get. Yeah. Are, Go are they going to are they going to really unleash the Jaheim Bell package? I don't no, know. not not yeah. so much. But just seeing him out there integrated with the offense, I'm with yeah. you. That's a good. It, it's different. Past years, we talked about does FSU have the talent? Right now, we're pretty confident they have the talent. I think the more intriguing stuff is how it's going to be used. I don't think we're going to get a lot of answers to that on yeah. Saturday. I, what I'm most excited about is seeing player 30 through yeah. whatever, 85. That's what I'm most excited <laughs> about because these a lot of guys that you don't see written up every day about. You don't hear about there. There may be some of them are unheralded. Kevin mentioned Stephen mentioned Stephen Dix. Demarco Ward's a name that Brendan's been writing about quite a bit recently. I'm excited to see Demarco Ward. Like, it's not a big time name. It's not a fancy name. He's a true freshman who came in uh, during the bowl season. You know, known as a Randy special, but we were really thrilled with what we saw from his senior tape. It got that a guy that potentially be a a fourth or a fifth linebacker for you this year as some depth. Those are those are the things I'm I'm anxious to see. Yeah, do you have quality depth, championship depth, or do you have like jag depth? 
like yeah. just a guy, like, right. you know, tackling cones. So we're going to see that. And it's also going to give you a nice glimpse into the future. The guys that you are going to have to count on a couple years down the road from now. So Adam, as a coach, how do you evaluate a spring game? Are <laughs> How indicative are they, like, the correlation between a good spring game to a good season as a I coach? I don't I don't think they – look, you treat them just like practice. I mean, you're going to watch the tape, and you're going to evaluate each guy. Um, and they handle, they handle spring games like practices. I mean, God, last year everybody was up in arms because they started with two-point two point, uh, drills mm-hmm. to yep, start goal spring line. game. Yeah, um, you, you just evaluate every player like you would, like you would in a game, like you would in a practice. So it's just an, another opportunity to get film on guys and to evaluate them in situations, find out how they're processing information. It's been a crazy install this year. Kev was, we were talking a little bit before we got started and Kev was like, look, I mean, they're, it's just install crazy. And yeah. that's, that's not necessarily what you see in a lot of Springs, but this is such a, veteran laden team that they've been able to do that this is a good chance to get brock Lynn film see where he's at continue to evaluate his process aj duffy that's a hell of a battle there that they're trying to figure out you you know going forward you're just getting more tape of them so it's valuable in that aspect that you're getting tape you're able to turn the tape on and break it down yeah that's a good point they're way further ahead this spring that they have been Mm -hmm. in any other end that's always good. That's always good to be deeper into the playbook than you expect to be. Kevin, what are you watching for for this spring game? Are you watching players? Is there a position that maybe lends itself better to spring game evaluation? Are you looking at units? Are you looking at individuals? How do you, as the learned film guy, uh, as per your little nickname, self-given, how are you, film guy? How are you going to watch this spring game? Tell the people how they give them a hint on how they maybe should. Before I get too far into that, I do want to kind of address what you just asked, A.B. We left last year's spring game. Most people left last year's spring game down on Florida State. as a Yeah, whole. They, yeah good they, call. Good call. So, like, that that tells you how much you can tell about quality of team from spring game. Most people's indication was FSU was bad. Um, that didn't end up being true. Uh, and I, I think ultimately you want to be kind of wary about any any position group that has a very low sample size. So mm. uh, specifically that can look like defensive back or quarterback uh, or even, even wide receiver in some cases, like these quarterbacks are going to get two, three drives. It could depend on who they're throwing the ball to or who they're throwing the ball against. Like one pick on one of those three drives doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad quarterback or that, that, that they're terrible. Um, if I were, if I remember correctly, in the spring game last year, Tate Rodemaker threw an interception to Sam McCall in the goal line drills. So one of those ended up having a decent season and the other one transferred to Texas A&M. So like not you can't don't take these like small samples and run with them. I think you'll get more out of watching. And, and we're going to do this. We're really going to kind of break down this this spring game because it's going to be the only film we get for a while. But like. Watching the offensive and defensive lines, you'll get more reps out of them. You'll see them competing on every play. Watching the corners when they're off ball specifically, how do they stick on receivers? How are receivers blocking? How are they, you know, what do their routes look like? You can see these intangible things that happen every play, but I wouldn't get too wrapped up in, 
oh, did this running back get a broken run? Oh, did he throw a touchdown? Oh, did he throw an interception? You got to be, you got to kind of find the places, the few places where you can find decent sample sizes. And you do have to have a more critical eye because individual performances are important. But what's important in context is who's blocking for that running back that sprang the run? Who is the linebacker whose tackle he ran through? Just be cognizant of like who's the offensive line combination. Be cognizant of all them. I don't think you should make any sweeping generalizations at all. But if you want to, be cognizant of who is on the field at that time. Another thing, too, that I think, Adam, you could probably attest to this. There's some degree in my opinion i could be wrong of if anybody's played football you know a practice hero right a guy mm-hmm. who kills it in practice because he's f- the familiarity they yep. know the routes they know the play they know the tendencies of the specific player because they've been lining up against them all spring they know how they run their inside their outside moves things like that so there are some guys that i think on that sam mccall interception i think he knew the exact play yeah. where that's yeah. not it's not that environment in a game where it's unknown against unknown so be wary of that too before you want to crown anybody the king of the spring i can't wait to see brendan's like updated rankings that has become like a thing that makes me very happy um adam yeah, I, you, I know I yeah it's, it's really it. fun oh do you okay well, don't yeah. say anything yeah, we, oh. need to, we need to clicks baby um adam <laughs> Do you agree with what Kevin said? I mean, is there something like, are you going to be looking groups, individuals? I mean, what, how, how are you going to be watching this game to try to glean everything you can from it, from an analytical perspective? I'm just taking every player as an individual. I'm not looking, not going to try to look at schematical stuff. I'm not going to try to figure those things out. Like, I'm going to watch each rep of whatever player I'm watching on that rep. How do they do? How did they handle that situation? And just going to go from there. Um, I agree with you that a lot of these times, these guys have seen these plays 150 times mm-hmm. throughout spring practice and they know what's coming. That was the best Sam McCall looked as a Florida state Seminole in that game last year. Like I think that speaks a lot of volumes for what these spring games can be. Um, you know, I, I'm cur- I'm anxious to see AZ McCall. Or, I'm sorry, AZ AZ. Thomas. <laughs> God, sorry, Zarya. Jammed her together like Voltron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel terrible for doing that. Um, yeah, it's a that's a player whose name's been really quiet. Like, it'll be yeah. good to just evaluate his play. How how's his back pedal? How are his how are his zone turns? How technique how are stuff, all that? right? Technique yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. How's his technique? What's it look like? Is it clean? Does he seem to understand what's going on, or does he look lost? I mean, you can. You can get a sense of those things that if you're looking for something schematically, um, it, it, you know, is he out of place? If he's out of place, well, it kind of signals a problem. But as far as watching, just watching individual players, you know, you, you just does it look right or does it look wrong? Yeah. What anything that you guys want to see that would give you the warm and fuzzies or maybe give you like a, a pang of panic? Like what, Kevin, what would what, what's something that if it happened on Saturday, you would be really, really happy with, even with knowing all the caveats that we've already put. We've already told you guys about watching spring games and what they mean ultimately. Um, I think I think I'd like to see first, I'd like to see Jones. Uh, Quindarius Jones have a good play. That's selfish. That's for you. you, you yeah. like, okay, I get you. But um, no, I, I think, you know, maybe having Rodney Hill having a big breakout run or something. I think he's okay. I think he's worked hard. I think he's kind of deserved a little bit of the notoriety. He's living behind 
Trey Benson and um, Treshawn Ward last year and didn't really get much reps. But uh, there's a lot there, and I think he's going to really have a breakout year this year. Um, and the same with some of the wide receivers. So they're going to they're probably going to be a little bit light with who they who they throw out there, just kind of you know keeping guys fresh. It's not necessarily that I don't think they see the spring game as a big deal. So you'll be able to see some wide receivers, some young guys like you know like all day Dre and. Um, Williams, yeah. you'll get to see some Hakeem Williams and you'll, you'll get to see how they kind of interact. I, I, I hope that they kind of have good days. They can kind of build their confidence with the fan base. Cause I think they're the future at that position. And mm-hmm. once you kind of lose Johnny Wilson, you're going to have to like replace it with some playmate, replace him with some playmakers. And I think um, just seeing them kind of build some confidence on more of a national stage would be really big. I like that. What about you, Adam? So something you'd yeah. really like to see that would make you feel good. I want to first, uh, Brendan O'Hara asked about the gaming stream. I believe it's on ACC Network Extra, so that's like through ESPN+. Plus. Yeah. Uh, sorry, and guys. Then, sign up for that. Oh, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be absolutely horrible. <laughs> <laughs> State yeah. football. Uh, Braden Fisk will I – don't, I don't expect him to play. I think he's yeah, going to be he's green through spring. But I don't know if Mike Norvell has absolutely spoken on that, so I don't want to you – know, We don't know. That's our guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to watch the young wide receivers, uh, specifically um, Hakeem Williams. Does it look like he's ready to take a step and be a playmaker for them this year? Uh, that's something that um, something that would be important. A lot of people have written about the wide receiver depth being a little bit of a concern right now. Uh, so that was obviously for you? be. Um, I don't know. It's early. Okay. There's a lot of dudes. There's a lot of dudes out there in the portal that if they needed to go get a wide receiver, they felt like it was a problem, they could go get one. So, okay. is it a concern? No, I, I think they're going to be okay there. I think you've got enough weapons in a Jaheim Bell, in a Kyle Morlock, a Biscuit, a, a Rodney Hill, a Lawrence Tolfili, Jakai Douglas. You can move guys yeah. around. You can move guys around and get into personnel packages to make you feel comfortable. Um, okay. So, it's not something I'm worried about, but. I think it's worth monitoring anyway, at least being on the radar uh, as we move into portal season part two, that maybe they decide they need to go get somebody. Um, As far as who else am I watching? I I, want to watch Byron Turner. I want to see if he's ready to step into. Yeah, that's a big one. Into a role, um, especially with the, with Derek McClendon moving on. I'm fairly confident, obviously in Jared verse, Pat Payton and Gilbert Edmond. I've heard good things about. Edmund and, and where he's kind of going to be in, in there in that room. But I want to see if Byron Turner is ready to step in and play. You don't want to need to use Braden Fisk outside. If you, you don't want to have to count on that, right. that's that you want that to be a luxury. You want um, Dennis Briggs to be a luxury that you can use out there when you want to, you don't want to be forced into that. And God only knows what the defensive end market will look like on the transport portal uh-huh. uh, in, in, in post spring. So, you want Byron Turner to step in and show you that he's ready to be a contributor like Pat Payton did last year when he got his shot. So what young wide receiver, Byron Turner, those are the two areas I'm most looking forward to watching and seeing some progress out of. All right. Well, guys, once that game is over, we are going to give a kind of our observations, what we're going to try to glean from mm-hmm. next year. But in the uh, for the sake of transparency, we like to bear it all for you guys on his on an SFW channel as much as we can with our observations. Kevin, 
Do you want to go over what we saw from last year's spring game and just maybe kind of assess the accuracy? I think you have those written down, don't you? Yeah, and and before we get too far, I did want to just bring this up to AB since there's a comment in the in the sh- in in the show. I think this is good. Oh, it, how many different offensive line combos do you think we see? I, I kind of want to take that and maybe we can just open up the offensive line conversation in general a little bit because I think there's about eight to ten guys that you're hoping can <laughs> contribute for you, and we might not be able to see them all throughout the season. So this would be a pretty good way. This is a pretty good way to kind of get a get an idea of what you have, right? Yeah. I mean, they've, you've got, all right. So help me here. As I try to list them off the top of my head, I don't think Robert Scott will be participating in the game, but I don't want to say that confidently and I don't want to get anybody in trouble. So, um, you've got bless Harris. Mm-hmm. You've got Jeremiah Byers, Casey Roddick, Mo Smith. You've got, um, big Meech who just got the waiver cleared. Yep. You've got Keandre Jones, Julian Armella, Jalen Early. Uh, who else am I? Who am I missing? Um, what about like Schrader Tom, and Herring? Tom, and yeah, Thomas Bryce Schrader, and Zane Herring, uh, Simmons, Estes, Lucas yeah, Simmons, Estes, um, oh, Kanai Charlton. Uh, yeah, Kanai Charlton, Quayshon Sapp. I mean, Jesus, they've. Got I thought that was pretty bodies. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah they got a lot of bodies in there, and. As far as combinations, I mean, who knows? Alex Atkins is going <laughs> to throw a lot at those dudes. I mean, he's going to be moving guys around. You're probably going to see some guys play center that have never played center, or well, that have never played center at Florida State in an actual game. In front of uh, your eyes, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me to see them throw a guy in there. Uh, just to see what the hell he's got, you know? I mean, we we've, hey, shit, I forgot Darius Washington. Darius Washington, obviously. Oh, yeah, D. Washington. Yeah, yeah. Had a good um, sorry, Darius. Sure. So I think you're going to see umpteen combinations and I'm excited to evaluate them. I'm excited to see what they look like uh, come Monday or Tuesday when we break that down. Absolutely. And no matter who they're going against, they're going against a solid, solid, yeah. solid players on the other side. So you'll get to see all of those guys against legitimate starter quality on the, on the defensive line. Do I think Meech is locked in at guard? He's a guard. Do I think he's locked in as a starter? I don't think anybody's locked in as a starter up there. Me neither. Stay it's on wild your that toes. It, That's good, yeah. though. That's good. Yeah. Competition. Everybody gets better. Yeah, Fifth I mean. Your all-ACC guard is, we're talking about potentially not having a spot locked down. Wild. Kevin, any I mean, other good questions before we get to our little ombudsman report? There was one There was one posted on the board, uh, on the Knowles 24-7 message board. If you're not a subscriber, get over there and get subscribed. Come on. Uh, um, I'll ask it here and we'll see where it takes us. So, uh, for you guys, maybe this was asked by Danny Cronin seven for you guys, maybe specifically Kev, what are maybe one or two asked one or two aspects you think will pop out immediately on the TV for all of us that would be watching the spring game on TV. These don't necessarily have to be super intricate details, but maybe obvious clear differences on screen that us viewers will notice who haven't seen this team since the bowl game. Yeah, I think you're going to notice the, the like I said earlier, the difference in how some of these guys are built. Um, I said it when Johnny Wilson stepped on the on the field last spring. He walked on, and you noticed, well, that's a that's an NFL guy. He's built like an he's built differently than the rest of the guys on this field. And you guys all saw that come spring game and come fall. He was just built differently, and mm-hmm. I think the same thing you can say about Daryl Jackson. 
I think he still has things to work through, but he's just built differently. He's six foot six, trim, yet two hundred and you know sixty pounds, and has shoulders wider than anybody else on the team. You know, I think that Byers' athleticism kind of stands out. I think that a lot of these guys, you know, builds and, and who they are kind of stands out. I think. Um, I think you'll see uh, people haven't talked about Morlock and I, I think that there's reason for that. I think there's still some, some growing pains that he's going to have to go through to make it like transition to this level, but he is very athletic for someone who's built like a tight end. And and so you'll yeah. see kind of these little things, these little ways that the, the floor or not the floor, the athletic ceiling is being raised by these newcomers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the first thing people notice. All right. I've actually got those observations from last year in front of me. So I'm going to go over <laughs> yeah, them. You and, go let's, for it. and then maybe we can do like thumbs up or thumbs down. So the first thing that we said, spring says more about individuals than teams. I think we kind of did. I mean, that's what we talked about here. I think mm-hmm. that was just trying to, we kind of couched our uh, observations. We said everybody kind of look past performance and look at the physicality. That's because last year we had a whole bunch of guys transfer in and we wanted to see if they look the part. They yep. did. They did look the part. Maybe not so much in spring, but they definitely looked the part uh, for those 10 wins. We talked about value of transfers. We thought Benson was a hit that was very undervalued because of that injury. We were the only ones. Yeah, good we basically us. were. Yeah. yeah, good for us. We, we, <laughs> we felt good about that take. Now, Benson did take a little bit of time to get going mm-hmm. as the season went on. But yeah, dude, a home run. We thought they were better across their fronts. Yeah, we were specifically high on Bless Harris, too. Uh, he was a guy that... Who was going to be a starter before the year. Yeah, he was another guy. And I'd say, what do we think? Thumbs in the middle? Thumbs up? They were better. They were better, yeah. They were better last year than the year before. They could until, run out. I mean, until they started fighting some injuries, I mean, it is what it is. Okay, so we're doing good so far. More good than bad. We thought it was promising. Now, just yeah. for also for reference, I, I think everybody on this podcast predicted like a seven-win season, right? Yes, mm-hmm. we thought okay, that was so better. promising. So I'd still say yes, but it's not like nobody pulled like a nine win regular season. The big wrath over the spring game last year was how ugly the damn thing was. Yeah, they were like, we're going to we win three try to focus games. On the actual football and people just couldn't get past it. Yeah, I know. We were. I remember being positive. Everybody's like, what are you talking yeah. about? I was like, God, it's there. <laughs> just shine it up, man. It's all good. Um, we said the wide receivers, they can't get off the press. Johnny Wilson, what do you think about that? I mean, Johnny Wilson was pretty, I'd say we're wrong too. They didn't struggle. Yeah. They didn't struggle a lot of press coverage last year, but I don't remember how much they got pressed over the course of the year, but no, I I would say that's a miss. miss I'd say that's a miss too. The wider Kevin, you agree. The wide receivers played better last. I mean, going from the worst unit in the entire country to how they performed last year. Like, yeah, we missed on that one. The wide receivers are pretty solid. We were, I think we were still a little bit, just wary to suggest that they would make that big of an improvement. Non-existent tight end play. No, we're spot on. Yeah, we, we <laughs> correct. Sorry. No, guys. Shout out to Biscuit who became, who was a nice surprise. Last he grew up, he grew throughout the season, but he was another one of those where it's like, he didn't show up for uh, the weeks beginning. End, he, yeah. Weeks on end. He was nowhere to be found. It took but some time definitely. to gel, but no, mm-hmm. there were so many, there were multiple instances that I'm sure are flashing through everybody's heads of, drop balls and guys getting blown up and blocking us. Hold on, hold on Trey, before you continue thoughts on the kickers. That's, that's a perfect question for a B. They should remove them from football. I mean, 
Oh, wow. Oh, a little Brian Kelly action executed. <laughs> they should be executed. I mean, look, it sounds like Kev's been there and Brendan has talked about it quite a bit. Um, I'm not going to worry about kicker. It just, I don't think Mike's going to let that cost him an opportunity to a really good season. All right. Better than they were leaving last season. Thumbs up. Another one. We were positive. We were positive. We said the defensive line was going to be the strongest position group. Who do you think? Yeah, I mean, quarterback. (laughs) I mean, right? I mean, but not only that, but but. you, I mean, you immediately lose Fabian Lovett in the LSU game. Robert Cooper plays hurt all year. Jared Jackson plays hurt all year. Dennis Briggs is not himself. Like, they battled a bunch of injuries in that group that really hampered I think what their ceiling was, um, what they could have been. And really, as we've talked about a lot this offseason, the defensive line cost you a lot of opportunities throughout the rest of the defense. And we're kind of it was I don't want to say it was the Achilles heel, but it it, it made the hamstrung work a lot. Yeah, it did. It hamstrung what they could do because they were so limited up front with the bodies that they had on the interior. And even go our assumption with these observations, everybody's healthy. Even with being a fully healthy defensive line, I don't think they were the best position group. I give it to uh, running backs. There are other others for sure. Yeah. So eh, miss minor steps up across the board. Every group improved, but there were some that really improved. So I'm going to say eh, on us too. The way That's quarterbacks fair. and receivers and stuff like that. Well, here's the here's the question. I I have, I have a question because I think when we said that one of the big S we had was defensive end. So yeah. we, just just as a question, would you take last year's Patrick Payton and Jared Verse oh, versus over. the year before? Oh, I take Keir Keir Thomas. Yeah, me too. So I, we're probably I, wrong about defensive ends this yeah, year. I, this year, I'll be curious if we will take Jared and Gilbert or Jared and um, Patrick and Patrick over, Payton's over, over last year. What'd you say? <sighs> I said Patrick Payton's going to be good. He's going to be a good football player. I, yeah, I think I think the ceiling of the group this year versus the Jermaine. I don't know, man. The Jermaine Keir group's tough because you're talking about a first round pick and you're talking about another guy who's playing in the NFL right now who is solid against the run. It was a really nice, like synergistic combination. I really would have liked to see them surrounded by better talent. I don't know, but we were wrong about that because Keir, you, you take Keir yeah. and Jermaine all day over mm-hmm. last year. But yeah, I mean, they got better. We we. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we predicted seven win seasons. We undersold how much better they would be. And then this one, I think, bang, 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 Cactus Jack style. We got this one right. The transfers are standing out, and the coaching evaluation process was good on the transfers. Mr. Bang, bang says, all day, nailed it. Their hit rate on transfers are just unreal. And I – their hit rate general is just unreal. Look at Quindarius Jones and KJ Kirkland. I mean, those are two guys. Kirkland was a four star, but Quindarius Jones was a guy that nobody even thought existed. And now he's getting praise in a room that's got some pretty good talent in it already. Like, I think these guys can turn the film on and know what the hell a football player looks like. Yep. So that goes to show you guys that it's not the be all end all. But there is some valuable stuff that you can pull. I think the thing that you can't pull is 
the degree of those like observations you're going to see on Saturday, like because guys are going to get better in the fall as well, especially with the newer guys with familiarity with the offense. But keep your eyes open on Saturday. We 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 did pretty good, and you guys are smarter than us. So you'll do pretty good too. Anything else, guys? Before we wrap this up into a little bow and get ready for Saturday. Anything else? Spring games. Go ahead. Go go ahead, Kev. I kind of want to open up this conversation just really quickly. Okay. Because I I keep thinking of the defensive line. I feel like for the past few years, we've said we think the defensive line is going to be the strongest position group on the team preseason. And I think a lot of us would probably say that this season. Um, Is why hasn't it been? And is there reason to question that it might be this year? Uh, you do you want to take that, Adam, or would you like me to take a stab and you can clean up my <laughs> you answer? Take a stab. The people want to hear from Trey. All right. Listen. Obviously, a lot of that defensive line was overvalued because the offensive line was just that poor, particularly mm-hmm. the twenty twenty one season, and even mm-hmm. a little bit last year. This is different because you've got guys that are coming back that have a track record of production. At D1, at Florida State, Jared Verse, Patrick Payton, Fabian Lovett, all those guys, Dennis Briggs. Then you bring in some other guys who have a pretty proven track record of production at other at other schools, Braden Fisk, Daryl Jackson. And they're looking good in practice against guys that have a proven track record. You know, the the uh, Mo Smiths, Casey Roddicks, Jeremiah Byers, all those guys that have played for Florida State before. So it's not so much they're dominating against either schlubs or unknowns. We have a better idea because we've seen it with our eyes. It's not so much projection. Uh, so this year, I <laughs> I don't know if I want to say it again. Uh, <laughs> I, if you take quarterback out of the mix, I think quarterback, I think Jordan Travis is the best guy on the team. The, the team's going to go still like to the aspirations that, that they want to go. Jordan's going to be the main driver of that. But outside of that, especially with the interior of that defensive line, they're looking pretty, pretty good. What about you, Adam? <laughs> um, I, I think when you make predictions on things, it's tough to take into account injuries because you mm. don't know what, what injuries are going to occur. You know they're going to happen, but you never know the severity. You don't know how many they're going to be. They were riddled with them last year. Um, I, I do still think the offensive line's a little overvalued uh, for what they actually are. I, it wasn't a great offensive line last year. It was just an average one. So when we see de- the defensive line beat up on them in, in spring games and whatnot, um, I think it gives us a bit of an oversense of confidence in what that what that group can be. But I do think that they've raised the ceiling for what the offensive line is this year. With the with some of the additions and just some of the growth of some of the younger guys, so um, I think we're going to get a better taste or, or sense of what that group actually is this year when they compete against the Florida State offensive line. Um, so, yeah. not being able to take into account the severities and the numbers of injuries you're going to have, I think, sets us up sets you up for failure when a bunch of them occur in one position group like they did last year at D tackle. Um, and how do you compare? I mean, how do you rank positions? So we're talking about this year. Um, you know, we immediately the immediate thought was for last year the best position group was quarterback because of Jordan Travis. 
I mean, how do you? Uh, I don't know about last year because well, I, I think that some people yeah. would say that because Jordan Travis is your best player. That immediately, that's probably your best position group. Yeah, there's only three of them. I mean, how the hell? It's tough to. I don't know. It's it's that that's tough for me to evaluate. Yeah. So this is your best position group. Some people would say running back. You know, I mean, Trey was really good. Trey Sean Ward was really good. But then after that, what? Lawrence Tolfield wasn't really a huge factor. Rodney Hill only played in four games. Um, I, I get what you mean. Nice story in mop up duty. I'm with you, Adam, because like you said, it's like the quarterback, like, I, I don't know if people would have said last year, Jordan Travis was like, if quarterback was going to be their best position going into 2022, we had a, a vehement argument. If he was top 25, we said yes. <laughs> and people are really pissed about it. So I don't know about that, but I'm with you. It, it is tough to, people like to rank them. We'll try, we try to rank them. Yeah. But there's such a difference between a position group where it's one guy versus one, where it's defensive line, where it's four guys on the field at once, and they rotate the crap out of them, right, to mm-hmm. keep them fresh. So keep that in mind. But if it, I mean, who who do you think is going to be the best position group now, though? I mean, take quarterback deep, out of it. I think it's defensive tackle. I mean, oh well, yeah, it's uh, a defensive line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I if Daryl Jackson is what we think he's going to be, and Braden Fisk is what we think he's going to be. I just have a hard time seeing it not being them. Um, yeah, we know Fabian Love is a stud and <laughs> yeah. is a game changer. Ayo Tafasi sounds like he is becoming an absolute monster in there in spurts. Um, Daniel Lyons is a player that I, I know I'm very high on, and I know Brendan is also. Um, and those guys are like your fifth and sixth option. So that's what's really crazy. I'm curious. I, I, I'm really excited to see it all play out. Well, we're there, gonna there, get a little. Yeah, there's there's a question in the chat here. I, I okay. Wanted Kev's, I wanted Kev's opinion on this. Um, Chris yeah. asked if we had two scholarships, two scholarships open for the portal, what what two positions would you look to use it on? Yeah, I was thinking about that when I saw it in the in the chat. Um, I think my answer might be similar to yours. I think I would take one defensive end, and I think I'd take one safety. That's yeah, I, yeah, I, think I, I do, yeah. I think that um Duke Cooper's looked good back at safety, but I mean you almost lost the Florida game because you didn't have you you ran out of safeties. You were putting linebackers at safety. Like and now you've lost Jamie Robinson and your answer was to replace him with Duke Cooper. I still have questions about the safety because after that it's Kenton Kirkland, who's a true freshman, and you know, Hussey, who's coming in, Conrad Hussey, who's coming in as a true mm-hmm. freshman. Like, you got a keem, but he's coming, he's working off something, you know. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of question marks for me at that safety position. I would definitely take a safety and probably a defensive end. All right. So we were talking before and it's come up about wide receiver. Where do you think they're lacking at wide receiver right now when you watch them practice? Well, just there's just been a lot of, it's hard to I don't know how to how to answer this. <laughs> There's just been a lot of wide receivers that just have not practiced <laughs> right, for some so, amount of time. Okay. So it's, it's hard to evaluate what they're missing. Yeah, it's hard to evaluate what's happening. Hasn't got so, enough for, work. For, yeah, for, I feel for like. a variety of reasons. Okay. So it, it, is wide receiver potentially a bigger issue than than uh safety? I have I have no reason to believe that all of the wide receivers 
won't be back by fall. Like there's, I think nobody's, you know, sitting out or not sitting out at any point in time because there's any sort of serious things going on. I, I think they're getting rest. So while there might be some like depth concerns, even at this point, you're still practicing with, you know, guys that are, that are, that are good, you know, <laughs> like, and you're and to your point, Kevin, the known of what, you know, that you're getting back that performed last year at wide receiver. You're so comfortable with where at, at safety, even some of the known stuff, there's a lot of unknown, but even some of the known stuff had some warts on it that needs to be, you know, that needs to be uh, worked out. So I, I still, even with wide receiver, maybe being, a smidge more concerning, at least right now, than people thought. I'm with you. I, I still think safety is the bigger, the bigger thing. Well, DN is number gonna... one for me, no doubt yeah, about it. All about defensive it's, end. It is where I would spend anything I need to spend to go get an, another impact defense because those guys are more. If you can find one, yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you can find one, if one, if one were to become available in the transfer portal in the uh, the window that's going to open up here soon, which looks like it might be booming, we'll see. Um, yeah, you almost lost Oklahoma because of defensive in-depth. Yeah, so it, I, those two places. I, I just don't feel confident in you've got three guys. I don't want to rely on Byron Turner, even if it looks like he's going to take the next step. I, I want another Jared Verson there personally, and we'll figure it out. You're, you've pushed the chips all in. Let's go, baby. All right, well, let's go. Let's go to that spring game on Saturday. We're going to be there with you. Instant reaction, post-reaction, observations, whatever you need. Just make sure you're subscribed to the Knowles 24-7 YouTube. Subscribe to the X's and Knowles YouTube. Pop those notifications on. And if you're not a member of Knowles 24-7, quit being a big, fat nerd and subscribe. It's the best info ever. For Adam, the assistant to the traveling O-line coach. For Kevin, film guy, McFilm guy. For Trey, TBD nickname. (laughs) This was your spring game, how to watch preview. We love you. And we will talk to you in a couple days. Keep chopping. all-star studded challenge ever and this time it's every competitor for themselves best challenge ever the challenge all-stars new season now streaming on paramount plus go to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply